0: All units stand three. It now appears as though shots are being fired. All officers use caution. It has been confirmed. Suspects are armed and are firing at police. 660 on the air, North Max Signal 10. Building fire. Headquarters, North Max Signal Fire Department, 1000 North Roadway towards Northwalk Drive in North Albany. Multiple explosions coming from 661. Unable to get any.
1: Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. All the notes from today's podcast can be found online at scannerschool.com slash session 219. So today we are answering your scanner radio questions. I have several voicemails that we're going to get to today i know we haven't done a voicemail episode in a while but we are doing it today i have four voicemails on deck ready to go and answer your questions and the best part about these voicemail questions are the fact that somebody will have a chance now to win a free tutoring session with me now if you're not familiar with my tutoring sessions they're great i i do several of these <laughs> throughout i don't know uh, a, a month or a week a year whatever you want to however you want to break it down and um it's a great way for me to help you directly with the problems you are having with your scanner radio. What I do is I sit on Zoom, and we can do a screen share, we can do camera share, we can drop files back and forth, and it's a great way to work one-on-one like I'm sitting next to you, and we go through you know, how to program a radio or how to answer your questions or it's just a barrage of different things. I mean, you can hit me with, uh, with several different questions all at once. And uh, I, I especially love the reactions I get from people who I help, especially when I can hear them from across the room when they run outside to grab a, a little bit of RF that they can barely get inside and they come back in the house screaming, it works, it works, it works. So uh, I've had a, I've had a couple of those. So it's really, really cool. So listen, if you don't want to do the, uh, the tutoring sessions, right, you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring for that. But if you don't want to do the tutoring sessions, you can still find me online, leave me a voicemail at 516-308-2885, go to scannerschool.com slash ask to ask your questions via SpeakPipe or email them in that way, or you can join us if you're catching this episode live, or if you're not catching this episode live, the first Tuesdays of every month, we are on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, where we answer your questions in a live format. And... For those of you who are Patreon extra credit members, we follow those sessions up with our own roundtable discussion. Lasts usually about an hour more than the other sessions. So you get me for about an hour and a half to two hours if we are a Patreon extra credit member. So before we jump into these questions, let's go ahead and get the Patreon thank yous through and then we'll be right back. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you'll receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you could pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crowdy, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Barry, James Broxton, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Mike Lopez, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Seish, Randy Cummings, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendy, and William Arcand. Okay, let's jump right into our very first question of the month.
2: Hi, Phil. This is Joe. I'm from Central Connecticut, kc one IMD, that's my call letter. I have a question about uh, trunking and P25 Phase 2. I live right between New Britain and Bristol, and both those uh, towns are uh, P25 Phase 2. Uh, New Britain even has a, I don't know if it's a receiver on the town line. I don't believe it's a transmitter, but... I had the hardest time receiving New Britain's trunk system. They are on the CLRM, uh, CLMRN network for the state of Connecticut. I also have uh, an issue receiving Troop H and they have an antenna in Bristol, which is in the next city over. Just wondering, should, when I program that, should I also include the neighbor sites with the neighbor site frequencies with like, say, Troop H or New Britain Fire? It's New Britain Fire, I'm trying to listen to. Oh, by the way, I'm using a BCD-996P2 with an outdoor outside antenna.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, Joe, this is a great, great question. So, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be such a great, great answer. But we'll get through it. Maybe you can get a nugget or two out of this one that can help you out. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you added at the end what kind of radio you're using, which was a 996P2. And let's look at it... from the top down. At least let's look at the systems first and then we'll explain everything. So I went on radio reference and I looked at both the Bristol P25 system and also the Connecticut Land Mobile Radio Network, which is the CLMRN network. Now, the Bristol system is a simulcast system. And when it comes to P25, this can be a problem for radios that don't have the same kind of setup as such as the SDS-100, the SDS-200, or a software-defined radio. And of course, the older in generation your radio becomes, the worse simulcast happens to that radio. So if you're using, say, a TRX-1, TRX TRX-2, a 996, a 325, and then a 436, and a 536, each one of those is progressively worse, as I've explained in order, basically. So, with your 996P2, you're going to have a very bad time trying to pick out a Phase 2 P25 simulcast system. Let's break this down as to why this happens. So, for example, I'm going to look at the Bristol system, and I'm cracking it open right now, and it has one site in radio reference, but each one of these sites has got multiple transmitter Locations or different licensed in the FCC locations in their database that says they're allowed to transmit from. What I'm looking right now at Radio Reference is it looks like there's a tower on South Mountain, there's a tank on Chippens Hill, there's another tank on Stephen Street, and they call it a B mast, which is only 19 feet tall. Or maybe 19 meters, depending on how we're looking at it. It's up there at 75 feet, though, at uh, 822 Lake Avenue. Okay. So I really wouldn't worry so much about that last one, which is number seven, but um, in the list. But listen, what we're looking at here is a site in radio reference, it's a simulcast site that has multiple transmitter locations. All of these transmitter locations transmit the exact same data at the exact same time, minus propagation delays, minus some bouncing, and you know some some oddball receive paths that happen because of terrain and buildings and whatnot. Right? What happens with our scanners is it's receiving zeros and ones. Right? It's it's basically a a quad receive. Right? It's it's minus was it zero zero minus one zero zero one, one, one minus one zero minus zero one minus one one right whatever it is all these bits come together to form a sample right or, or data or information in the end it's zeros and ones right is what happens here our scanner gets the timing from the control channel to know when things are supposed to happen in sequence but when we've got multiple transmitter locations transmitting the exact same zeros and ones at the exact same time, and our scanner receives them just slightly out of phase, what do you think happens? All of a sudden, now we have extra zeros, extra ones, we have ones where zeros should be, and the scanner now cannot put back things together. Humpty Dumpty's fallen off the wall and can't be put back together again. So, in radios like the 996P2, the 325, the TRX1, TRX2, and even the 436, 536, what ends up happening is the scanner says, my CRC error rate is too high. I don't know what to do here. Sometimes you'll get a transmission through it. Sometimes you won't. When you don't, that's when you know you have problems with stomach So if you look at your scanner and it looks like the control channel is nice and happy. You got full signal. You can see what's going on. You try and go to a voice channel. You get nothing. Maybe you get a blip, right? Maybe it, it ping pongs back and forth. That's the scanner telling you I'm having problems getting a voice channel off this. My bit error is too high. I'm just going to go back to control channel, find something else to listen to here. Now, let's look at the Connecticut Land Mobile Radio System, right? This CLMRN. We got the same issue here. We've got a New Britain simulcast, right? We've got a Stanford simulcast. We have troops C, D, E, F, H, K, B, G, I, and L simulcast systems. Same situation here, right? These are transmitter, they call them sites in radio reference, but each one of these has different locations that they transmit from. A tower site is not the same as a site in radio reference, and that's a big thing to take away here. Sites are not sites, all right? Sites are networks of transmitter locations that transmit the exact same thing at the exact same time now if you have a site in radio reference that does not have the word simulcast after it we can assume that it is not a simulcast location and again we can click on that so for example i will take a look here at i don't know just F one i'll take off old lime in new london and if i look at that call sign here it looks like we have one tower location so we can assume that this is not a simulcast site. If you were to try to tune into that site in radio reference, you might have a better job picking things up. Now, the other issue here, though, is that when when radios are on the network, they affiliate. So in theory, and the way this these systems should be written, be, be built, is if you don't have any radios affiliated with a particular site, now, we're talking radio reference sites here. If you don't have a radio affiliated on a particular site, that talk group will not be carried on said site. So, for example, if you're trying to listen to Troop H, or Troop A, rather, and you've tuned in to Troop H's sites, you may not hear Troop A on the Troop H simulcast. You might, because if somebody in that Troop H simulcast network has Troop A on their radios and is affiliated, then that talk group is roaming onto that simulcast site. Likewise, you can also force talk groups, from my understanding, to always be present on certain types of sites as well. So, how do we get around this? How do we work around simulcast? Well, the first thing we have to do is try to eliminate the simulcast. The way you set up your radio, in the old days... Is perfect. You have an outdoor antenna. Well, when you're trying to battle with simulcast, you don't want the outdoor antenna. You, or maybe you do. Let's put it this way. You want to eliminate every single transmitter location except the one that's either closest to you or the one you can get the cleanest signal off of. So this might mean just using the set top antenna that came with your radio, the telescoping antenna. Maybe by eliminating all the other transmitter towers you'll receive just one, you'll eliminate the simulcast, and your scanner will be happy again. It might be that you do need an outdoor antenna, but it has to be a Yagi antenna and pointed at another transmitter location within that site, network site system, so that you've de- basically nulled out the other transmitters, and now you're picking up another site that might give you a better, cleaner path to receive. So as you can see, simulcast on a 996P2 is a bit of a headache. Compounding the issue is you have TDMA talk groups, which are phase two, which makes life even more miserable for some of these scanners. My advice to you is to try to eliminate the simulcast. Use the antenna that came with the radio. Maybe you need to attenuate the antenna a little bit. You may never be able to clean this up, depending on where you are. If you're traveling and driving around, forget it. You're going to be in for a world of hurt. I know people that can take a radio and put it on a table in a room and the radio works fine. They pick up the radio and they move it to another table in the exact same room and they're getting blasted by simulcast. Okay? Sometimes even the location of the radio in your own house can hurt or harm you or help you. In the end, my advice is to look at something like a software-defined radio solution, if you, especially if you can use this at home on our desk, or think about investing in an SDS-100 or SDS-200. Unfortunately, it's the lay of the land. It's the way things are progressing. But again, the hobby has taken changes like this in the past. There have been times where you couldn't listen to trunking at all. Then it was just more type one and you had to know how to load in all the fleet maps. Then eventually we got type two. And again, you could only load in a trunk system in a single scan list and no conventional. Eventually radios progressed. And you could do multiple scan lists and multiple trunk systems, adding EDACs and LTR and Motorola Type 2 and rebanding, P25, DMR, NXDN. This is just evolution here, okay? Radios are keeping up, but again, it's a top-tier radio in order to fully get onto this system and use it. So while in your mind, I'm not faulting you, right? You're doing everything that you've, you've read to do correctly. Simulcast has us forgetting everything we know, And starting all over again. Even not simulcast. Even trunking in general. Right? Because in a world, especially as a ham radio operator like I am, you are groomed outdoor antenna. Let's pick up the world. Let's listen to everything we can possibly listen to. That's great. But it doesn't work that way when it comes to a lot of trunk systems. Because again, if all you need is what's down the block from you, adding an outdoor antenna isn't going to help you. And especially when it comes to simulcast, it's going to help you. Will you have better luck picking up another system? Or another site within the system, you might, you might be able to pick up another site from your reference, put that in your scanner, and eliminate the simulcast, and that might help you out. My advice though is to try to eliminate as much RF coming into that scanner, and work that way, and see if that helps you out. Best of luck, show on this one. Keep in touch. Let me know how you're making out with the troubleshooting this one. I'm pretty sure that you and I sat down, we worked through this one on last month's YouTube session. But uh, if not, hopefully this stuff helps. Let me know, and uh, good luck to you. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to our next question.
3: Hey, Phil. It's Garrett coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area with questions revolving around a system we've discussed in the past. If you look at Radio Reference in California in the county of Alameda, you'll find the East Bay Regional Communication System, or EBRCS. And there are system talk groups as well as Alameda County talk groups that have interop, or what I believe to be interoperability frequencies. And I haven't done a lot of scanning around interop frequencies, similar to what we're finding here in this county list. Any thoughts, best practices, or ways that you find really helpful in scanning and listening to interoperability frequencies? What should I be thinking about there? And the second part of my question is, Under the Alameda County Sheriff Talk Groups, you'll find a dispatch one and then a service one and a dispatch two and a service two and a dispatch three and a service three. And I'm wondering if you have any idea what the services that correspond to each of those dispatches are and what they're used for. Thanks, Phil. Looking forward to the answers to my questions. And as always, thanks for such a fabulous podcast.
1: Hey, Garrett. Great. Great question. And yes, you and I have spoken about this trunk system multiple times in the past. So again, this is the East Bay Regional Communication System. This is a multi-county system. And again, we are dealing with simulcast. We've got a Southwest and East to West and Northwest, a Central and an East. As well as some other fill insights along the way here as well. So, interop. Yes, you've got a couple of system-wide talk groups in here called uh, interop one through five. You've also got law interop one two three four, fire interop one and two, EMS interop one and two. So, interoperability, right? What is interoperability? Well, interoperability is basically the ability to communicate with other. Agencies on the trunk system, whether it be a mass casualty incident, or mutual aid to another fire department, or two towns working together in a single police call, or something like that, right? Or, like I said, mass casualty incident where you've got multiple multiple agencies all congregating and operating as one big mass casualty unit, right? So, how would you set up and use interoperability? talk groups well you know what you could set them up in a bank that's always on that's that's always good to have because uh, again you'll never know when something's going to happen on an interoperable talk group but if you were to have a bank set up uh, such such as a you know when it hits the fan type of scan list or bank your interoperable talk groups are going to want to be in there right so think of it this way think of the fact that you know maybe any town has a fire call and then neighboring town gets invited to the same call. They might show up on an interop frequency if they're not going to operate on the hosting department's tactical or fire ground channel, right? Same with EMS interop, right? If there's a mass casualty and they have to bring in multiple ambulances into a single run, they may roll over to an interop channel, right? So that's where you're going to grab that. Even something as, as, as uh big as a hostage situation or a major accident, manhunt, right, car chase, may all also end up on an interop channel. It could even be an overflow channel. So put them in your scanners, right? You may never hear anything. I mean, we've got interop channels here in my county, and I've never heard a peep on them. They just don't use them. But I'm expecting one day, if anything were to really go south really fast, maybe they would use them. Your secondary question, though, about the law dispatch one and service one and dispatch two, service two, dispatch three, service three. Chances are good that dispatch one, two, or three are different zones or regions. And again, if you look at the heading for that section in Alameda County Sheriff's Talk Groups, it says dispatch one is for Eden Township Dispatch 2 is AC Transit, uh, Children's Hospital, Dublin, which is seven number units, Highland Hospital, Oakland Airport, which is nine number units, and Peralta, I guess, Community College District. So you would expect to find on basically Dispatch 1, just Eden Township, the rest of just listed on Dispatch 2. Dispatch 3, I don't know, could be an overflow and it could be something different, right? It's going to be very specific to how they are set up zone-wise or geographically-wise in there. The service channels, though, are going to be their overflow or their tactical channels, where if it's something that doesn't need to be set over a dispatch. So it could be, hey, can I give you a, a license to run maybe? Or I need to speak with another unit. Can we go over to the tactical channel? Or it could be something that's not important to be had over the law dispatch where they're trying to free up the availability of that talk group for dispatches And then anything else can end up on the service channel. In the local system we have here, they are called admin channels or dispatch or 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 tactical channels, right? There's there's again they're encrypted, so we have no idea what they're doing on them. But your ears are really going to tell you what the end result is going to be here, because it looks like from what I'm seeing here in radio reference that these talk groups are not encrypted. So you should get a really good understanding as far as what could be used. And again, they could they maybe they don't use them at all. Right, You just don't know until you put a pair of ears on them and you listen to them. Unfortunately, from where I'm sitting right now, it looks like only Dispatch 1 and Dispatch 2 are in the Ingest server and Broadcastify. So those would be the two primary talk groups you'd want to monitor on that system, it looks like. But again, Service 1, Service 2, Service 3 could just possibly be an overflow. But if somebody is local to the area and they have any information on that, would love to hear from you and to see what those might be. Garrett, these are all great questions. I want to, again, thank you for coming back onto the podcast and asking your questions and also being active in the community and everything else that you do to help support the podcast. So, very good. Hopefully, it answered your questions. I know it was pretty pretty quick on this one, but uh, sometimes just getting right to the point, right, is all we need. All right, so we're going to take a quick break here. So, as a reminder, anybody who is a Patreon supporter at $3 level or more per month is going to... Just skip right over this this little quick break we have here. For everybody else, we'll catch you in just a few minutes. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process, and this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out scannerschool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there. ...that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, ScannerSchool.com slash support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios... ...and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before... And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of Scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection? And even if I didn't own East Coast Pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments, and if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on besides your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems, where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swissome and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell PogSac and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo Swiss phone and unication dealer serving the North American market and of course is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For our full inventory or to request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. Okay, let's continue on with today's episode with another voicemail question.
0: Hey, Phil, this is Jack Haycock from Idaho. My question uh, involves my Windows laptop. It's on Windows 10. keeps trying to upgrade to Windows 11. Every time it upgrades to Windows 11, it breaks my connection with the scanner. And I'm not sure what's wrong. So I've I've downgraded it back to, or reverted it back to Windows 10. I'm running a uh, BCD 396 XT with Butel's latest uh, software of Arc XT Pro, and uh, when it goes up to Windows 11, there's just no connection between the uh, computer and the scanner. I'm also running the virtual control, and that doesn't work either. So then I revert it back to Windows 10, and then it works just fine. And I've done that a couple of times, but I'm gonna—it's going to force me to Windows 11 here at some point. I haven't tried to replicate this with my other scanner, the PC436HP, either on VueTel or Sentinel or on the Unication Pager, so I don't know if it's a problem on Windows 11 or not. Anyway, just wanted to see what you thought about it. Appreciate the podcast. I always learn a lot, and thanks for your help with the tutoring sessions. See you later.
1: Hey, Jack, good to hear from you again, and uh, this is a rather interesting question. I am still on Windows 10. I always seem to be a rev behind the current release of Windows for some reason. And this just reinforces the reason why I do it. I was very late to the show for Windows 10. In fact, I just upgraded to Windows 10 about a year ago. And I did that when I was forced into it, basically, because I needed a new computer. So let's let's reverse engineer things here, right? It works well on Windows 10, doesn't work at all on Windows 3.11. So I am going to say, where are we breaking things, right? I don't think anything in the scanner is breaking because the scanner doesn't know what operating system you're using. So let's look at either software or our actual physical connection to the radio. So I went on Butel's website and it says that ARC XT is Windows 11 ready, So my first question to you is, are you using the latest version of ARC XT? If not, please go ahead and download the latest version. Make sure that it is the latest version and go ahead and reinstall or update, right? That's the first place I would start. The next place I would look is how are we physically connected to the computer, right? Because again, it's working fine on Windows 10, breaks in 11. What breaks usually when you upgrade operating systems? Drivers. So let's look at the drivers we're using here for our connection. Are you using the USB-1 cable, which is Uniden's USB interface for their ARC-XT line of scanners, which is really just a fancy uh, USB-to-serial connector? Or are you using a generic USB-to-serial adapter and then using Uniden's included serial cable to talk to the radio? In fact, I just paused my answer here just to verify that you are using an XT-based scanner and not a P2-based scanner, because a P2-based scanner is true USB, whereas the XTs and the Xs and the Ts and everything else were all serial-based. So let's, let's remember this is not a true USB scanner. There is a serial interface that is required here. Let's also double-check that we have our COM ports still active right if it's a driver issue or something broken with the driver we should be able to see that in our device manager so let's go over to windows device manager and see if we can see the port there again unplug and plug in the usb cable you may see the port shows up you might see there's an exclamation point next to it which again tells you there's a problem with the driver assuming that we can unplug and plug in that cable that we're using, well, the USB, to serial interface, and we can see a port in Device Manager that shows up and disappears as we insert and remove, right, and insert again, the cable, we can then assume that we do have a serial port working for us. Now, if we do have a serial port in Device Manager, and we've got the latest version of Butel software, and it is still not working, let's try another piece of software. We can try scan. Now, again, you can go to scannerschool.com slash freescan. That's a redirect over to their new website. Or you could check out ProScan. Go to proscan.org. You can download a free 30-day trial of the software if you don't already have it. And that will allow you to install the software and test it out as well. So by doing these different methods here, we can rule out software. We should be able to rule out drivers. Drivers. We should be able to rule out if the Windows even sees the port. Another thing to remember, too, is very early versions of the Prolific chipset. There was an update around the Windows 8 days where there was a lot of clones of the Prolific driver, so there was some signatures that we added to it. There are two flavors of the Uniden USB-1 cable. There's an old version, which has an old version of the chipset, and there's a new version, which has a new version of the chipset. Uniden did did not change the name of the cable from USB 1 to USB 2, okay? So unless you actually look and run Prolifix chipset identification program on your computer, you will not know if you have an early version or a later version of the cable. But let's just assume you have a later version because it did work in Windows 10, okay? So my thought process here again is let's make sure you've got the most recent copy of Butel software. Again, you go to butel.nl, or you should be able to open up Arc XT and then check for updates and see if there's any updates to the version of software. If, and assuming you do have the latest version of software, you're going to want to make a make a look at, or make a look, right? You want to take a look at your device manager. Do you see that serial port listed under? Uh, Serial ports in device manager. When you insert the USB cable, and when you remove the USB cable, you should see a serial port listed. If you see one and it looks good, okay, we should have drivers there. If you have an exclamation point, you may have to reinstall the drivers. It may not hurt to just reinstall the drivers anyway. Try doing that. Finally, I would try other pieces of software to see if you could at least get the connection working. One of those three things should get you there. Drop me a line. Let me know if you're getting any further to this process or if you're still stuck. I'm hoping by the time this goes to air, you've already figured it out. But if not, I would love to help you out and, and love to see what else we can pick at in the uh, computer besides having to upgrade and downgrade all the time because that could be really a pain in the neck. So, again, Jack, great question. Thanks for asking it. And I'm really hoping that by the time this podcast airs, you are, you're up and running with Windows 11 and Arc XT. All right, we've got one more question on Dex. So let's get over to that one. Yes, my
0: name is David, and I have an SDS 200 Uniden scanner, and I don't hear much car car traffic. Uh, I hear dispatch, but that's about it. I, I hear it works very well, the radio, but, but I thought that I would be hearing more banter and just, more interaction between police, fire, rescue, and other other entities. And I, I do not have any of the upgrades installed on it, and I don't know if that would help. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: Hey, Dave, this is a really great question. and something that we haven't talked about really too much on the podcast yet, but it's very important that we do discuss it. So this is a great question to bring up here. So we have to remember that, a lot of these times, these car-to-car channels, these are not something that is repeated or sent through a trunk system. A lot of times, they can be done through the um, the VHF tactical channels or the 800 TAC channels or 700 TAC channels. They are simplex primarily or point-to-point, right? And again, if you get people off of a trunk system, off a repeater, not everybody in the county needs to hear what's going on if you need to get you get to stop for a ten, one hundred, or a 10 right? It's also, I'm going in for a cup of coffee. What do you want? Or, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just running up the street here to, to see if I can see anything down the street here. A lot of these times, like I said, they are simplex or they're low-powered, right? They're point-to-point, point. Uh, especially if we're looking at fireground operations, right? Fireground operations, they don't like to be on trunk systems or they don't want to go through repeaters. They want point to go point-to-point, right? They want to eliminate any failure point in the radio communications process. So it is anybody who is on fire ground can, can, can really hear anybody. It's portable to portable, portable to mobile. So in order to hear a lot of these car-to-car or as you would call them, banter or stuff like that, you would need to be extremely close to where things are happening. Or you would need to have an outdoor antenna with some gain on it and then be relatively close to that, okay? So for example... You know, we used to have here in my county that used to be TAC 10. TAC 10 was repeated, but there was another one that wasn't repeated, right? There was a secondary TAC channel they could run to that was just the output repeater. My neighboring county, they've got a couple of PD North, PD South, PD East, PD West. They use for tactical, but they also have a drop-off channel where they go point to point that they actually fall off the trunk system. Again, you've got to be right down the block from them really to hear what's going on. So. That's really why you aren't hearing a lot of what it is, all right? Very simple answer. Doesn't really take a lot to go through this one, but it's simplex, which means there's no repeater involved, which means there's no trunk system in the middle. It's a direct user-to-user, generally low power, and it's it's what it's made for. Now, again, remember, you can have more than one person using these Talk around channels because they're low power, so they could be on different neighborhoods. They could be across the other side of the county, and they wouldn't interfere with each other because they're not using high power devices. So, with that, that it should explain why you're not hearing it now. If you have an outdoor antenna, if you could try playing around with the filters on your SDS 100. You can also make sure that your squelch settings are not too high. Pull back on the squelch until you hear the white noise and then raise it up just a couple of clicks so that the white noise goes away, and that's how you set your squelch. If your squelch is set too high, you could be filtering these things out a well. Again, we talk about filters in the SDS-100. Sometimes you would have to change the filter settings. Maybe you need to invert the filter or, or change the filter in the SDS-200. Now, there's no set definition of what each filter does. You kind of have to play around with it and see which works best for you. But my money is on the fact that these are simplex channels, and unless your hap- is happening right outside your door, you know, I could be able to hear it. Unfortunately, all right. Great question. Again, cut right to the point on that one because that's that's really all there is to it. All right, so there we go. We've got four voicemail questions that came in, in the last two months. Again, in the last couple of uh, sessions here, we've been we've been clearing out the mailbag, but now we are going back through some of the voicemail questions, and of course, I've got some queued up for next month too. And it's not too late to ask me questions for upcoming Ask Scanner Schools. If you go to scannerschool.com ask, you can leave me a speak pipe. If you give me a call at 516-308-2885, that goes straight to voicemail. I never even know the phone rings, okay? It's a straight to voicemail box that you can leave me your questions and I will play them back on the podcast. So if you're a little embarrassed or you're afraid I'm going to pick up the phone, don't worry. I'm not going to pick up the phone because... I never, it never goes to a phone, okay? Again, 516-308-2885. But we've got four questions that were asked this month, which means we've got four people who are in the running for a free tutoring session. Again, free, one-hour-long tutoring session. If you want tutoring and you're not part of these four, you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring, And you can book me for a tutoring session. Again, it's very simple. You go on that website. There's a calendar. You pick the date and the time in the calendar that's available. And then you check out and it books it. And all you got to do is have Zoom on your computer and we're off to the races. All right. So I'm going to put all four people into a spreadsheet here. And we're going to randomize it, right? So I got one, two, three, four the order of these will be the order that they were asked. So if we go back over here to my document uh, we've got set up here, let's copy these all over. So we've got number one, we're going to have Joe, and then we're going to have number two, we're going to have... Garrett. Number three, we are going to have Jack. And number four, we are going to have David. So what we're going to do here is in the spreadsheet, I got one, two, three, four, we're going to do a random number. And we're going to refresh it five times. And the number that shows up after the fifth refresh will be the winner of this month's tutoring session. So here we go. One, two, three, four, five. And congratulations, David, you are our winner for this month. So please reach out to me. Send me an email, phil at scannerschool.com, and I will send you the code that you can use to book your tutoring session for free. Now, so if you know somebody that would benefit from hearing what's on this podcast episode, please share it with them. Please send them the podcast, because that is how we can help more people learn more about the Scanner Radio hobby, which is why we are here. Now, again, we will be live tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are working very hard to grab a 1,000 followers or a 1,000, yeah, a 1,000 followers over on TikTok. So we can go live there too. So please, if you have a, if you've got that app on your phone, please go to scannerschool.com slash TikTok. Make sure that you follow us over there as well because we do have exclusive content just for that channel. So hopefully we'll see you tonight over on the video platforms or catch us on a replay. For everybody else, we will talk to you next week. On another podcast episode. My name is Flichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Thanks again for listening, and thanks again for your questions. 73 of 1.